All right, so we're we're launching on a on a new series that I think is going to take three sharings. All right, so the title of the series is Battle Lines, Creation and the Three Rebellions, and tonight is part one, Divine Communication. Okay, so before I get into the concepts of the divine communication, I just wanted to share some of my sources. And for tonight, mostly from the front pages of Interpreting the Scriptures by Kevin Connor and Ken Melman, which I've always found to be an enjoyable workbook. I've taught through that workbook, I think, at least a couple of times uh, with the church. The other is one I've been referring to quite a bit lately, which is The Unseen Realm by Michael Heiser. And for the series, though, uh, the, these insights, a lot of them, in particular with regard to the three rebellions, I, I gathered from uh, this master's thesis from David Burnett. And the title of the master's thesis was Abraham's Starlike Seed, Neglected Functional Elements in the Patriarchal Promise of Genesis 15. So tonight, talking about divine communication. And... At, what I what I hope we gather from this is is to be more open to how God is speaking to us and perhaps even have a greater understanding of exactly what it is what the Bible is and and interacting with the Bible. So I want to talk about communication gap. Like right now we're experiencing a communication gap. Communication gap. I'm I'm the communicator. I'm the sender. And in any communication, you have the sender, and then you have the receiver. Are you saying this because I'm texting in the middle of your sermon? No, no, no. But I'll have to, now I have to edit that. <laughs> <laughs> no, wait, wait. Now we know that you do it. Right, right. Oh, I didn't know we were, we were recording for posterity. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, cut me out. Every I'm used to it. Every sender uh, comes, you know, every sender has, a, he has his own being or essence. You know, if you're, for instance, the the one wagging his tail and barking at the door and shaking real hard wanting to get outside, that sender of the communication is an animal. And he probably either just wants to go outside or needs to relieve itself, right? And, and you've, you've done things to it to make sure it doesn't happen in the, in the house, right? So you let it out. So that being or essence, who is doing the communicating, that, that all comes into the sender. Uh, the sender has uh, his or her own or its own culture, you know, it's people in place that it comes from. And the sender has its own language. Right now we're speaking English. <laughs> you know? James is speaking baby. James is speaking baby. Right? And perspective. So the one communicating has their perspective. And the receiver has the same group of things going on. The receiver has their own being in essence. They, they have their own culture, their people, place they come from, their language and perspective. So the sender's job is to encode a message. To communicate. Well, what do you mean encoding? Are we talking about cryptology? No. I'm sharing a concept now and it's all encoded in English words. There's a concept that I'm transmitting, but it's transmitted in code. Code you know because you understand English. If I were to write that down, there would be these scratchy symbols on paper that somehow 
you're able to read and make sense of, and then they translate into concepts, pictures, and thoughts. That's encoding. Are you following me over there? Yeah. You got me? Good? Okay, good. All right. The receiver's job is to decode the message. If they're hearing the conversation, if they're seeing the movie, if they are reading the book, they have to, they receive this message, but they have to decode it. But of course, when they're decoding it, they are defaulted to decoding it from their own being in essence, their own culture, their own language, and their own perspective. So, you know, I, I like watching kung fu movies. You know, I was growing up, I particularly like kung fu movies that were in the original, you know, Chinese. If you don't have subtitles, I mean, you're offering an, an interpretation by intonation and what people are saying, but you, you don't, there's only so much you can translate, right? If you don't know Mandarin. Or if you're watching a samurai flick and you don't know Japanese. And it can be comedic, you know, you can, you can be John Belushi pretending to be a samurai, pretending to speak Japanese. So, that's a Saturday Live thing. You don't know that. Some people get it, right? You remember that. So, so that space in between the sender and the receiver, where this message is encoded and the receiver needs to decode it, that's that communication gap. And if, if all that goes well, then success equals understanding. If there's success in that process, then the receiver has understanding. That's communication. If there's no understanding, we call it expression. I just need to express myself. Everybody can express themselves. But if there's no understanding, there's not been communication. I, you know, you can express all day long, but if you're not communicating. Worse, though, is failure, complete failure in this process, isn't, un, isn't understanding, it's misunderstanding. You think you got it. And you really didn't, you know. Um, as a, for instance, uh, there, there's a. I, I just listened to another. It was basically a synopsis of a paper that David Burnett did, and this is in 2018. But it has reference to Jesus saying, "Sell your cloak and buy a sword." And and so that message is encoded in a being essence, culture, and perspective. And if you fail to decode it, you may think that what he's talking about is that now that bad times are coming, you should sell some possessions and go buy a gun. And that would not only be a misunderstanding, it would be a complete misalignment of what the Master was trying to communicate. These things happen all the time. So, Here's the difficulty. The communicator we're talking about is God, and, and, and the receiver is man, mankind. So in this table, I just kind of laid this out as a sketch. This is rather reductionist, but in, in this communication process, in the essence of God, he's spirit. But the essence of man, he's, well, he's lowercase spirit, but he's spirit, soul, and body. Okay? God's culture, if you will, his people in place, he's the Godhead. And he lives in the heavenlies. But our culture happens to be our ethnos, our people. You know, you could say nation. Nation's a bigger section of it, but inside the nation you have your ethnic group. Ethnos is developed through um, habit and culture. It's not, there's no 
we, we say ethnic as a racial component. There's only one race, the human race. And race is not what we call race in modern day. You know, black, white, Asian. What we call race is not the basis of ethnicity. The basis of ethnicity is worship and culture that develops habits and shared ethos. And that becomes the group you marry and stay within, and then that becomes your people. Okay? And those people generally inhabit a particular place or a particular nation. But even so, as a, as a people and culture, we're Americans. Okay? Now, Maria and Vera are Canadian. Here's something that Americans don't think about much. We are, um, we're, we're very exclusive Americans are. Number one is the only thing that's important to Americans. So, as if, for instance, if, if a Canadian got a bronze at some Olympic event, they would be celebrated in Canada. Awesome job, you know? Uh, in America, if you're second place by one thousandth of a second, you're just second place. You're second place. All that matters is the gold. That's our culture. That's our place. Okay? So, it, it helps us to be aware of these kinds of things that go on. But it's just bigger than that because the, the communicator is God and His people is the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and Divine Council, and the angelic host. And we're man. We're, we're earthy. We're of the earth, earthy. And we belong to our people. His language is creative wind and light. Ours are verbal constructs. Yes, but... Didn't God say? Well, yeah. How do you know God said? Because a, a person using their language from their culture encoded it in little scribbly things on stone or clay or parchment. And then someone who could read those symbols decoded the message and said, yes, God communicated and creation happened. The Spirit of God hovered over the waters. God said, let there be light. God's communication is creative wind and light. Ours are verbal constructs. Still with me? It's only slide three, I think. His perspective is infinite, eternal, and omniscient. And our perspective is finite, temporal, and limited. So you can see there can be some communication issues. <laughs> Why won't you tell me, God? Because you just won't get it. Well, it makes me think of kind of like how we communicate with babies when they don't understand yeah. language. That we, we do things, we handle them in a certain way, we point them in a certain direction or whatever. We handle, we manage them in a way that communicates to them in a way that they can understand. It's not words. So when God wants to speak, he sends a wind. So when God wants to speak, he sends a fire. Whatever. Yeah. Kind of the same thing? Kind of the same thing. It's very as another example would be bandwidth. Okay, so imagine you had this really huge radio tower that was broadcasting across the whole FM spectrum. This one tower covered the whole thing. You know, it's, it's just broadcasting over the entire FM spectrum. Okay? And the problem is, here we are, and we're just tuned to 88.2 FM. 
So all this information is going across 88 to 108 FM, but all we can catch is that one decimal place of 88, 88.2. That's all we can hear. And, but all this information is going across. So all this communication is going across, and, and the large amount of that communication is just right over our head. <laughs> right? This is, this is what occurs in this communication process. Does that communicate? Okay. I share that to say that we need to understand that God must condescend. And I mean that in the theological and old English sense, not, you know, you're being rather condescending. He needs to condescend. He needs to, he, he has to willingly lower himself to our level to communicate to us. God must condescend to communicate to man. He has to. He has to. Just by nature of who he is and who he made us, for him to speak to us, he has to get down to our level. Just like Abel said, when we're talking to our children or talking to babies, there's, you know, I'm not going to sit there and say, well, did, did you read Factfulness? You know, <laughs> to a baby. I'm not going to say that, right? So, here's an example from Jesus of, and this is why he's the master. He's aware of his bandwidth, and he's aware of our receiver. And so he turns to his disciples and he says, in John 16, verse 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Now, of course, John 16 goes on, he goes on to say, Jesus goes on to, to speak about what the work the Holy Spirit's going to do to begin unpacking this bandwidth for us. But Jesus is very cognizant of what it is that we can bear to hear. And I think that oftentimes we don't take this into consideration when our prayers are not answered when we want them to be answered or how we want them to be answered. Or if we're feeling the communication and we're like, where are you, God? Why aren't you talking to me? And He is. But maybe some of the things He needs to tell us, you just, you're not ready to hear yet. And He's the Master. He's not going to shoot all this past your ear. Okay? I mean, that's a qualified way. Sometimes he shoots it over your head so you can look up and go, what was that? Remember it, and then he explains it later. Okay? But that's, this is a clear example of bandwidth. Jesus, the master, the great communicator, says, look, there's a whole bunch of stuff I need to let you know, but you just can't know it right now. Okay? Now, before Abel and I talked on, on, on Thursday, I've been... I've been uh, meditating on these two guys. So, in, in, a, um, in a real providential timing thing, you know, Abel and I are talking about things that we're wrestling with, and who do we wind up talking about but Jesus and Nicodemus. Yes. And so I want to use this narrative in John 3 as an illustration of divine communication. And the, the reason I'm sharing this is, is that as we get into these, these other issues, these three rebellions uh, in Genesis 3 through Genesis 11, and how they're communicated, and what impact and what meaning they have for us, I think this, it, this helps inform us how, God, how it is that God communicates 
in the things he's saying. So, John chapter 3 and verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher. Come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Uh, to me, this is what in the narrative, this is one of the funniest non sequiturs uh, in interaction. Nicodemus shows up. We know you're a good, you know, you're a great teacher. We know we come from God, and and he says, "Look, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom." So I humbly need you to tell me what a sequitur is, because I don't. Uh, a non non sequitur means this does not follow. Thank you. For oh, saying so that. Yeah. not sequential. Okay. Not, sequential. not sequential. So, but it, as a noun, a it's second. like. It's like if, if, if you walked in and said, hey, is this supposed to rain tomorrow? And I said, we need to fry the burgers right now. That's right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> he just, he's on a whole other subject here. But he takes, he takes complete mastery of the conversation. Nicodemus is approaching him, wants to ask a question. Jesus drops a bomb. Nicodemus says to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time to his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Watch the Lord's response. Jesus answered him, You're a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak what we know. Who's talking? Jesus is talking, but he's saying we. He's saying we speak. What we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. Verse 12 If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? The communicator is spirit, the communicator, his culture is. Godhead and the heavenlies. The communicator is limitless, infinite. The communicator's language is creative wind and light. So he's speaking to Nicodemus and he must speak in the earthly. He must speak in the concrete. He must speak in the material to get his point across. And Nicodemus is like, how can that even be possible and, and Jesus says, look, if you can't get it when I'm giving you earth, through earthly information, what are you going to do when I download spiritual information? Well, wait a minute. What is he talking about? What is Jesus talking about? When the Spirit came. And, okay, and, and being born what? Being born again. Being born, I thought that was a spiritual thing. He's, he's talking about people who are born of the Spirit being like the wind. I think that's just... 
I thought that was a spiritual thing. And yet Jesus said, I'm telling you about what kind of things? Earthly things. I have encoded a message to you, Nicodemus, through earthly things. And you don't believe what I'm saying. If I just give you straight out spiritual truth, you're not. how are you going to believe that? Let me parse this out a little bit. Maybe it'll help you. Okay, well, let me parse this out. See, Jesus in the earthly things uses a birth analogy. Okay, is the Son of God, was He born of God the Father? In His eternal state and being, was He born of God the Father? No. He's always been the Son. He's not a created being. So, in his spiritual state, he's not experienced a birth. Were angels born? They were created, direct creations. What kind of things um, are born? What kind of things are resulted from the procreation process? Earthly things. Earthly things. So, are we... See, here's the thing. God has to communicate what He has done to us through language we can understand. We understand birthing. And so that is a clear earthly example so that we can begin to wrap our heads around a spiritual truth. If you want to continue with that, other forms of new life, well, a seed has to go into the ground and die for there to be new life. Right. Yeah, all these different earthly eyes. So, so Jesus uses a birth analogy. That's earthly in verse 3. But he's trying to communicate a spiritual truth. Nicodemus applies what we would call a literal interpretation of Scripture and comes up with the wrong answer. He misses the analogy. How can someone crawl back into his mother's womb and be born again? What? Hey... Have we evangelical fundamentalists ever been guilty of an over literal interpretation of Scripture and our desire to be in our desire to be committed to Scripture? Never, never, never. No. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Only mostly Revelation, though. Right. Okay. Do you think, so. Do you think that Jesus was hoping that he would ask him to go deeper? Can you explain that to me? What you mean by that? You, you would think. But I think I think his I think his capture. I'm coming off the track here, though. I I think his capture of the conversation is great for someone who approached him with flattery. <laughs> I find that most people God communicated with in the Bible, they never did say, "You know, God, I just don't understand." They did. I mean, so so this is God's process of okay. communication. And now, if you read the prophets, in particular the minor prophets, this this shows up uh, very clearly, uh, like Zechariah. You know, and God, God will say, uh, "What you know?" He shows him a vision. He says, "What do you see?" Well, I see a scroll flying through. You know, okay. So, what does it mean? I don't know. You know. Well, what does it mean? Well, this is what that scroll means. Oh, what do you see? Well, I see two olive trees, and and the oil is going into. So, what does that mean? I, I don't know, Lord. What, what does that mean? <laughs> what does that mean? Those are my two witnesses, right? So. I just think it's interesting that if you see it in verse 4, that, you know, he, he takes it literally. Jesus uses, you must be born again. If you're not born again, you don't see the kingdom. And Nicodemus applies a literal interpretation to what Jesus is saying. And he comes up with the wrong answer. 
It's a failure in decoding the message. Okay? So, so excuse me, what did Jesus mean? I mean, explain that again. He, he, he means being born again. How else are you going to describe a new life and God becoming your father to a human being who came into this world through his mother's birth canal? How can we, but how can we understand? I mean, when we say born again, we understand what it means. Well, we don't, we don't. But. <laughs> we don't. So, yeah, so, so I'm going to interject a, a, a bogey in this conversation uh -huh. because I looked at this a while ago, not too long ago, and in the in the in the interlinear, it it translated as above. born from above. Yeah, born from above. So it. it it, it doesn't actually use the word again. So I think born again is a bad translation, actually. It, there, there's, there's, probably, there's probably a reason. Says, unless he is born from above. Yeah. Well, that changed. I like that, too. That, that changes. There is, there is, the you can't get born from above until you're born the first time. Though. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. So, well, he doesn't leave him there, and I won't leave you here either. He applies a little tra a little a little trans uh, interpretation. He comes up with the wrong answer. Obviously, Jesus is not talking about grown people crawling back inside their mother, right. right? Which and this is why Nicodemus can't wrap his head around it. I can't wrap my head. What are you saying? I can't wrap my head around it. that. Does not make any rational sense. What are you saying to me, God? That does not make any rational sense. I, I think that I think it reinforces your argument. If you say "born from above," Nicodemus so did not understand that statement that he put it in the context of his own thinking. You say, "Wait a minute, okay, you you just said being born from above," and I'm saying, "Wait a minute, how can I be born again?" Right. He's thinking in terms of flesh. Nicodemus is thinking right. in terms, terms of flesh. flesh. So I think it reinforces the argument. He took. He took what Jesus intended to be spiritual, and in his context, he took it literally in a physical context. Yes. So, so Jesus extends the birth analogy. Yes. So in verses 5 through 7, Jesus extends the analogy. Okay? So, in, in verse 4, Nicodemus says to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? So he's focused on the born. He knows what born means. He's, he's like, I don't mean Jason born. He's searching for he's searching for an understanding. Right. And so then Jesus extends the birth analogy in verses five through seven. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. This is straightforward Hebraic parallelism. So, he says, that which is born of water, you've got to be born of water and born of the Spirit. Now, most of us here have been, all of us here have been at a birth, but not all of us remember it. <laughs> well, you know, this is going to pump another question. Yes? Well, there are those who say water means water baptism, that for if you are not baptized, built the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues, you ain't saved. Straightforward amniotic fluid, brother. Okay. Yeah. How do you make that argument to those who want to call it water baptism? Though that's a challenge. Because he just said flesh. I agree, but they still hold to the idea. Yeah. So, anyway. but that is the parallelism: born of water, flesh is flesh; born of spirit, spirit is spirit. Do do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, 
but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone who was born of the Spirit. So he's now he's 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 telling them, look, I'm not talking about you being naturally born. I'm talking about you being born of the Spirit. And then to illustrate this, he uses another earthly symbol. Wind. He uses a clear wind analogy. You know, when you walk out uh, before there was the Weather Channel and you had radar and you walked out of your, you know, house or tent or whatever and the wind was blowing, you could feel the wind and you could pretty much know what direction it was going, but where'd that wind come from? You had no idea. And but where's it going? I don't know. You really get a lot to think about here. Yeah, Nicodemus is like, he applies a literal interpretation, he comes up with the wrong answer. Jesus doubled down. He extends the birth analogy and then he throws in the wind. Okay? Reception failure. Reception failure. Nicodemus says, uh, how can these things be? I, <laughs> I, now I don't get it. I, I, don't, I, don't, I have no idea what you're talking about. So this is this is just a this is just a, a scriptural illustration of the first thing I showed you about the communication gap. Right. You have God communicating; He's encoding a message, and the receiver is interpreting it incorrectly. They're not receiving the message. There's a misunderstanding, a failure of communication, not because of the communicator, because the receiver is faulty. This process is, to a degree, a miniature, a miniature of the entire Word of God and our handling of it. God communicating a message in code and then us either decoding it in the correct fashion or the incorrect fashion. You know, if, if God is, is communicating through romantic poetry and we decide to interpret it as history, we're going to come up with the wrong answer. If God is communicating in wisdom literature and we take it as narrative, we're going to come up with the wrong answer. Now, we might come up with parts of the right answer, but we're not going to decode the message correctly. Yes, sir? Like, like Proverbs. Like Job. So if, if, if we read Job and we read it as a historical narrative in that framework, when its genre is wisdom, for, is wisdom literature like Proverbs, then, you know, we might have some interpretive issues. I, I hope I said that right. I'm reminded of the, the magic eight ball approach. Uh -huh. The guy's not sure what to right. do. It is, so he flips his Bible up and puts his finger down and says... There's a term for it. It's called bibliomancy. Ah, oh, okay. Bibliomancy. Really? Yes. So he reads... Right. The, the, so you, so you he went out and hung himself. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. Okay. So he yeah. Shuts the book, does it again, puts his finger down, says, "Go and do life." Yeah. Work. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, and then he opens it. He's like, "I can be right." He opens it. He says, "That which I do, do quickly." <laughs> you know, it's no good. So, so he offers a birth analogy. Literal interpretation is applied, so there is misunderstanding. Jesus extends the analogy. Nicodemus is scratching his turban, his head, whatever. How can that be? So then Jesus confirms Nicodemus's reception failure. Yeah, that's right. You don't get it. Now, that's an odd reaction, you know. But he wants him to get it. Yeah, yeah. You, I want you to get it, but no. Yeah, that's right. You don't get it. He confirms the reception failure, and that's verses ten through eleven. He says. 
Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak what we know, and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things, and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? But it wasn't terminal, right? What? It wasn't terminal, right? Terminal, as in... They never got it. They never got it. No, no. I, I mean, Nicodemus is a believer as far as I'm concerned. He, he comes around and, and he gets it. So, but here's the thing, and going back to the first concepts, even when the Lord speaks to us spiritually, we're His creatures. He's still speaking to us through the earthly. If you get a vision, what are you using? Right. Well, your mind. It's, it's, it's coming to your spirit, but it's being processed in your brain, in your visual cortex. Right. If you get a word from the Lord, it's coming into your spirit, but then your physical body, your brain, is processing that in your auditory cortex. Okay? Mm-hmm. And, and, when he's, and when He's speaking to you... I, now, we have visions. See, here's the thing. There are visions in Scripture that are um, very heavenly, but they wind up being a mishmash of the earthly. You know, six wings and and eyes all over and and an ox's face and a lion's face and a man's face and an eagle's face. How how could he describe something that you've never seen? Exactly. That's the whole point. How can he describe something you've never seen? And it, and it goes both ways, because He's the Creator. So when He uses the creation to uh, describe for us, earthly creatures, the spirit realm, there was an intentionality to it, because He's the one that created the material realm. I am of the personal opinion that since He created the spirit realm first, the earthly realm reflects the spirit realm, because the spirit realm looks kind of like that. Got yeah, pretty basic. I mean, yeah, I, seed it, and fish. That makes a lot of sense. Okay, yep. Yeah. So, if I could use a, a, an example that is the, the, he describes things as having all these colors, and particularly a rainbow all around, right. this sort of thing, right? But people have had NDEs who have who've been there and seen Jesus and come back say, there's colors there that we. We can't describe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, there's a bit more right. light bandwidth than we're used to being able to see. Exactly. Okay? I've told you earthly things and you do not believe. How can you believe I tell you heavenly things? Uh, so th- this is, if I rephrase this, uh, take the liberty, God forbid, but if, I, if you can't believe the encoded message, if you can't believe the encoded message, the earthly things, how can you believe the unveiled truth? See, we, so God has a process of educating us. That's His regular... 7 o'clock call on a Saturday night. Um, so, I want to talk a little bit about the encoded message. Okay? What is, what is the encoded message writ large for mankind? Romans chapter 1, verse 19. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things He has made. Yep. 
so they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. God has created the heavens and the earth in a way that bears witness to His eternal divine power. Amen. In a way that is undeniable. So if, if you, when you encounter um, new friends in your life, guys over here in the dining room, you'll meet them, trust me, as you, and, and bigger guys in the front room, as you meet people and, and well, what about, well, how can, how can it just be Jesus? You know, and how, why would God send people to, to eternal damnation? How is someone who was born, named the place, named the time, how could they even hear about Jesus or believe in God? He's just, and there's no one born in this creation who can look at it and say, without, without a decision of the will, and say, there is no God. The testimony is undeniable. In this same vein, a, a, a verse that's perhaps more familiar to you, but that, that we have plucked one verse out of this section and really camped on it, but just look at the whole thing. Romans 10, 17-18. So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. But I ask you, have they not heard? Indeed, they have, for their voice has gone out to all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. So in this section about, you know, being saved in Romans, in, in Romans 10, Romans 10, 9 and 10, and, and faith coming by hearing, you know, beautiful are the feet of those who bring the gospel, all this kind of stuff. And then Paul says, but haven't they heard? Well, yeah, they've heard. Because their voice went to all the... What's he talking about? Their voice has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. What's he talking about? He is quoting the 19th Psalm. Psalm 19, verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech. Night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor are there words whose voice, whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out throughout all of the earth and their words to the end of the world. These are the stars. Now, here's the thing though. He's quoting Psalm. And that Psalm is a product of the ancient Near East. And Paul himself, though a product of the Greco-Roman world and a Pharisee, is carrying the intellectual and cultural milieu of the ancient Near East. And there isn't this clear dichotomy, division, separation from the ancient Near Eastern worldview, perspective, and culture like we have. Well, that's the spirit realm, and this is the, the material realm. No, these, these, these places overlap. And so, from a modern sense, and we look out there and we understand galaxies and stars and, and flaming uh, nuclear furnaces providing light that God has put out there, or shining planets that are reflecting glory from stars that God has put out there. When the ancients looked up there, they saw a reflection of heavenly beings. 
They saw a reflection of heavenly beings. Have you ever heard? Have you ever heard about the Lord of Hosts? Have you ever heard about not worshiping the host of heaven? We're not talking about physical stars, people. But God is communicating to us through material things so we would understand spiritual things. That's the preamble for all of this that we're going to share. I see some bewildered faces here. Well, I, so, I, I, I'm trying yeah. to figure out what you're saying. Well, these are concepts that you're familiar with. How, out there, how thou art fallen from heaven, O morning star, son of the dawn. How, morning star, son of the dawn. Right? Who are we talking about? Lucifer. Okay, so we're not unfamiliar with um, celestial beings, angelic beings, being described as stars. And so there was a great sign in heaven, the great dragon, and his tail drew a third of the stars from heaven and cast them. So we're not unfamiliar with this, we just don't think this way all the time. Yeah. Okay. None of the time. And yeah, and we and and if we're going to understand the transmission of the start of our Bible and the epic that is redemption, that the whole creation is groaning until now for the revelation, the manifestation of the sons of God. If we don't decode the message correctly, we'll be forever trying to figure out which twenty-four hour period something happened in, versus understanding what God's trying to tell us about the spirit realm. Okay? So, that's Psalm 19. 1 Corinthians 2. Here we get to bridging this gap. Okay? So, just in case, you, in case I just gave you whiplash and you wondered whether you were born again or not. Um, okay? You're, you're safe in Jesus. And, and that new creation, that adoption for you, happened from above in your spirit. But in this communication gap, here's another angle. Here's another witness to this communication gap that I've been talking about. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6. Yet among the mature do we impart wisdom, although it is not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. Remember in Corinthians that, that Paul wrote, I, you know, I, I, did, I only shared with you the cross because that's all you could bear. You know, so you know, so as, as an instructor or as a communicator, as people who are communicating spiritual truth to those around us, we need to be sensitive to the bandwidth of what they can receive. That's a lesson I'm trying to learn for my entire life, right? So, not the wisdom of this age, the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, but we impart a secret hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this. For our, if they had they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. What God intended to do through Jesus, He had so encoded through history and Scripture that not only you read in Peter how the angels desired to look into it, seeing the suffering and the glory, and these are the things that you know, the angels desired to look into, not only did the non-rebellious angels want to look into, the rebellious ones couldn't figure it out either. Okay? Because... If they had, they wouldn't have. the gig would have been up, right? How, 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 in the, this, how could this thing be? How could it be that you come down to inhabit a clay jar and then let me torture and kill you 
And have you show up in Hades, and that means that I am now dethroned. What just happened? Yeah. What just happened? How can this be? How can this be? Because he's God Almighty. That's exciting. The gospel is exciting. Yes, he does. So, look. They, this, this thing is so cool that the angelic host wasn't in on the gig. And that the enemy, had they known about it, the, you know, the, the war would have gone another way. Alright? But it didn't. Verse 9. First Corinthians 2. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, no ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love Him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person? This, to me, you know, there, there, are, there are plenty who equivocate as to whether the architecture or the, the, the um, uh, archaeology of man, if you will, if he's really spirit, soul, and body, or if he's just an outside-inside guy, you know? I, I think that understanding spirit, soul, and body... Uh, has a lot of explanatory power for the spiritual life. So long as you never forget that those are devices we use to understand who we are. Because you're never just a spirit, you're never just a soul, and you're never just a body. You are all of that. Yeah. Right? But how do you know what's inside your head? See, when your head's mulling things around, that's generally an exercise of your soul. You know because your spirit's attentive to it. How do you talk to yourself? It's not left hemisphere, right hemisphere. Okay? So these are concepts, again, these are concepts that illustrate even internal communication. Paul uses this to explain God's communication to us. Who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person? In other words, who knows God's thoughts except for the spirit of God? God's spirit knows God's thoughts. Okay? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now, we have received, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things that are freely, freely given to us of God. How were they given? Freely. Freely. Did you earn it? No. Can you ever earn it? No. Can, can you, can't you, buy it, you can't buy it either. You can't, so if you could earn it, can you lose it? <laughs> That's no. a whole other teaching. So, no, if I can't earn it by merit, I can't really lose it by misbehavior. No, but you can reject it or resist it or refuse it. You, you can. Jesus bought it with a price. Holy Spirit brings it. Now we choose whether we, yeah, we choose. We carry it. The devil would like to sell it. Yeah, <laughs> like the devil would like to sell it, yeah. <clears throat> or sometimes buy it in the case of Simon the Sorcerer. Uh -huh. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. That's the ESV. The ESV alternate translation is interpreting spiritual truths in spiritual language or comparing spiritual things with spiritual. This is the, the Holy Spirit's abiding in us and, and bringing to us the deep things of God takes uh, this communication of Godhead to man to another level. 
because most of that transmission is encoded in earthly message that we have to decode to apprehend spirits of truth. But with the new birth and the abiding Holy Spirit in us, there are certain things that God can, this is the understanding part, that God can just, and then we begin to get spirit, you know, my spirit's agitated. I can sense what's going on in the spirit realm. Because you, you, you're now a, an adopted, born-again spirit being, new creation in Christ, more alive to that spirit realm than you've ever been before. This is God's promise of bridging that gap. Verse 14, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. He is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. See, so to understand God's communication, we have to, we have to reach into the Spirit. Alright, John 3, verse 17. No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So Jesus is... Yeah, amen. Jesus promises salvation... He is the first-hand witness of heavenly things. That's verses 11 and 13. And in promising the salvation, he speaks of the serpent, the wilderness, and being lifted up. All of which not only alludes back to the historical-type narrative of Moses and the staff in the wilderness, but is talking about ever so much more. When you talk about the serpent, and you talk about the wilderness, and you talk about being lifted up. So a quick series preview, Lord willing. Uh, Next time we're going to talk about creation as a temple. And then the three rebellions. We'll go over the three rebellions and their their significance in Genesis 3 through 11. And then what those implications are in terms of spiritual warfare and evangelism. That's that's, uh, hopefully where we're going.